welcome to this week's Forge Leadership Podcast, where Simon Barrington interviews Peter and Nikki Sims, the leaders of Skylark Church, Chelmsford. He asks them how worship has been central to their leadership style, and they discuss why identity is so important in leadership. Well, welcome to the Forge Leadership Podcast. This week, we've got a fantastic husband and wife team uh, today. A bit of a theme coming out there, and today it's Peter and Nikki Sims. Uh, Peter and Nikki are worship leaders songwriters and the senior leaders of a church in Chelmsford on the east coast of the UK. Peter, Nikki, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Uh, maybe you can start off by just telling us a little bit about yourselves. Well, um, as you said, we're, we're worship leaders. We um, were both secondary school teachers and we now um, have the privilege of um, leading Skylark Church, but we're also parents to a beautiful daughter, Aria, and we've been living in Chelmsford for the last 15 years. We met um, working for Youth for Christ in a band, and so singing has always been a big part of our lives together, and it's been amazing to develop that and see how God has continued to work through our lives in worship and in other areas of leadership too. Mm. I want to explore with you a little bit about worship and leadership and how those two go together and how they complement one another in a minute. But tell us a bit bit about Skylark Church. Skylark's a really interesting name for a, a church. What's the vision and passion behind that? Well, it really came from an encounter that we had before we knew we were we were called to lead the church. We were part of the church um, and the church was in transition. But um, we were in Scotland and we were spending some time out. And the question on our hearts was really, God, what do you want us to do next? So as part of that time away, we climbed up a hill behind where we were staying. And we decided, because we're crazy, that we would worship all the top and then when we got to the top um, we would spend some time listening to God so that's exactly what we did and when we got to the top a little out of breath from all that singing and walking um, we we could hear this bird song and it was captivating and mesmerizing and we began to watch these birds and um, what we noticed was that the whole time they were soaring and ascending, working really hard to go higher and higher in the sky, uh, they were singing. And then they would circle the sun and bomb back down to the ground, but they never stopped singing. And God spoke to us. And he didn't speak to us about what we were called to do, but he spoke to us about who we were in the kingdom. And he said, you are you're, you're like these birds. You're called to have a song in every season and to release a generation who will do the same. And um, we found out that those birds were skylarks. Yeah, we came back back down the hill, uh, back to the guest house. And every good guest house has a book about birds and countryside. We found these skylarks and um, we, we then started to look into them. And they've been seen in poetry for hundreds of years as a connection point between heaven and earth. And that has become the strap line um, for our lives and, and for the church's life, Skylark Church, connecting heaven and earth. They're uh, one of the leaders of the dawn chorus. So they sing while it's still dark and they usher in the new day. And we feel that that's what we're called to do as a people. And one of the great things about the Skylark is that it doesn't nest in trees. It nests on the ground. So it leaves itself vulnerable. And we're... Many people see the church as a, a sort of a high and mighty organisation that can look down and point the finger and tell people how to live. The way the Skylark lives is not high and mighty and, and lofty in trees, but down with the people where, where life is really happening and vulnerable and happy to be there and co- to connect heaven and earth. So there's, there's so many things about Skylarks that, that were amazing. And God said to us, as Nikki said, I'm not telling you what you are to do with your life, which is what we've been asking. 
what do you want next, Lord? He said, this is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. And I'm, I'm calling you to raise up a generation of Skylarks. And that's how we ended up, once we started leading the church, we just knew that God was saying, you need to change the name to Skylark Church. You kept on being worship leaders as you took over leadership of the, the church. So in what way is worship really central to your leadership? And in what ways does being a better worshipper make you a better leader? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, the way that worship remains central to us is, as I said, we we met singing, working for you for Christ. We were actually the worship leaders of this church for around um, 14 years before moving into the senior leaders of the church. So that's a, it's an unusual transition. Not many people move from being the worship pastors to the senior leaders, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. But one of the things that, that God said to us as we were begin, beginning the transition into the senior leadership of the church was look at the life of David. Um, look at, at him in the secret place where he was a worshipper and a warrior. He soothed Saul and the, the spirits that were tormenting him being a worshipper and he, he fought the, the wild animals that would attack the flock. And it was those two, so it was those two gifts that then made room. Here's where the Saul part comes in. So those two gifts made room for him before Saul in soothing the, the soothing Saul and in fighting Goliath. But actually those gifts of being a worshipper and a warrior were actually hallmarks of his kingship too. And it wasn't that he was to lay those gifts down now that he'd moved into this leadership role. And um, God said to us very clearly, look, that's who I've called you to be. Worshiping, worship leading is, is who you are. It's, it's, it's how you've got from where you were to where you are now, but it isn't to be hung up on the wall. Don't hang up the guitar and pick up you know, the pulpit and start to lead the church. That will destroy you and destroy the church. You need to be who you've been, who you are, authentic to the call that I've put on your life and take that into the new season. So yes, we do speak on Sundays, but we continue to oversee and to lead worship too. And it really is great for us because it enables us to work into our gifting area where we come alive, where we can we can really do what God has called us to do. And Nikki, songwriting is also part of uh, who you are as well, isn't it? How, do, how does that impact on the way that you lead and the way that you think and the way you bring other people with you? Yeah, I, I think for me, songwriting is it's part of my um, expression of, of devotion to God. And it's often sitting at the piano is a place where I really connect with God and process some of the things that I'm walking through in life and in leadership so I consider it to be like my lifeblood really and I know that the times where songwriting and worship are sort of edged to the side um, I find that life sort of loses its colour it's a place of life and and creativity for me that brings me alive so um, I've had to really try and ring fence that um, since taking over the leadership of the church alongside Pete um, and yeah I, I often find that when we're going through things as a church family um, there's a song that God wants to release in the midst of that and there's such power in actually um, singing out um, truth or coming in the opposite spirit through songwriting um, and leading people forward from that place of strength as much as um, from speaking or one-on-one -on -one mentorship although I, I love all of those things too. Wow, it's quite interesting that actually you you've held on to something which you believe is core to who you are as a couple and as individuals, and 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 shaped that into your leadership. Do you find that other people that you're mentoring into leadership actually want to get rid of stuff that has been former to them and 
and think that they need to step into something different because they're becoming a leader? Is that a common problem that you see? I do think it's common because the truth is that we all look at role models and people that we aspire to and we we often want to emulate what we see, which is a really good thing as long as we don't end up wearing someone else's armour into battle. And um, often when we're sitting with emerging leaders or people who are transitioning to a different phase in their leadership, often they can uh, look at those people that they aspire to be like or who are already doing the thing that they're called to do. And um, what we want to do is encourage them not to let go of those things that um, actually are unique to them and that are their God-given place of strength and service. Um, because actually we, we've got to wear our own shoes as leaders and, and that's part of pioneering as well, is, is actually doing something in a way it hasn't been done before. Mm. And Pete, do you find that actually it, it takes bravery and courage to step out into who you uniquely are made as as a child of god you know and how have you kind of tackled that in your own life yeah i i think it does i think that i know that when we took on the church i uh thought how on earth do i follow in the footsteps that the people have gone before us mm. and on that on that day that we took on the church that that sunday service nikki gave me a uh, a box in the morning and I opened it up and in there were a pair of shoes wow. with a note said, these are yours, you're called to wear these ones, not somebody else's. And um, it, it is, it's always scary to step into the things that God has for you. But you know the story of, of Peter walking on water towards Jesus? I love that story. And and one of the reasons I really love it is because of a, 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 a small line in there. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you and I'll come. And it's just like Peter is this guy full of bravado who jumps out and starts to sink, that kind of thing. But actually, he saw Jesus and he said, Lord, if it is you calling me to get out of the boat, then I'm going to come. You know, if, if it's you, I'll do it. And I think that's, that's the key thing for us so many times, that stepping out into what God has for us and being authentic to who he's called us to be is a scary place. But if he's the one who's calling us and we can keep our eyes fixed on him, then all things are possible. Wow. So um, looking back at your lives, when did you both know that you were called to leadership? And when did you both know that you were called to lead together? I think that we both knew from an early age independently that there was a call of leadership on our lives. But I don't think either of us envisaged it being in a church context. So um, we both have um, fathers who uh, were headmasters and um, Mum is also um, a, a leader and a pioneer. So I think we both knew we, we were teachers, secondary school teachers, and we imagined that our trajectory and leadership would probably follow that educational path. Um, but it became clear over time um, that God had other plans. And for us, really, our, our journey into leadership, probably like most people that you would talk to um, who have ended up in leadership, um, really looked like sacrifice and servanthood, just being faithful with the things that God gave us to do. So to begin with, we just took a day a week. Um, we dropped a day a, day a week from work, um, from school, um, and just sewed into the worship team um, here at church. And we had no idea that really what we were doing is little by little, we were just um, putting foundations in place that God would use in the years to come. Um, but it, it just looked like one step after another of, of being obedient and saying yes to him. Well, I think it's really interesting. When we met, um, it was 1996, and, and Nick and I were talking, and 
during that year together, we fell for each other and um, we, we were just talking. And um, actually, let's be honest, I fell for Nikki first and I had a chat to <laughs> That's another story, yeah? <laughs> we, we sat down um, and Nikki was sharing some of the vision that she had for her life. And I was just amazed that people had vision for their life. But my, I had come from a church background and I had great faith in, in Jesus. But that kind of thing, it was just a new world. You know, how do you hear from God? How do you know that kind of stuff? All of that was brand new to me. So Nikki had felt this thing on her life from God. And she said, what about you? And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't, I've got nothing. I can't think of anything. And then I said, and I didn't realize how important it was and how important it has been. I said, I know what. Why don't I make the mission for my life to see your dreams fulfilled? So that's what I'll do. I'll make your dreams be fulfilled. And I think that that is something that that together in leadership we have made a decision that our primary goal obviously apart from following god and what have you our primary goal together is to see each other flourish mm. and to i want to see nikki right. be all that she can be without being threatened by that and she wants the same for me and so that mm. enables us to be a partnership that really works so how does that work in practice yeah, I mean, that sounds glorious, yeah? But you must have some pretty rough days when you're trying to lead a church together and married life and you've got a young daughter. I mean, you know, what, what, let us into the inside in terms of, you know, how, how, do you, how do you cope with being married together, having family together, leading the church together? What works well for you and, and what are some of the struggles you have as well? It's definitely challenging. There's no doubt about that. And although probably most people around us in, in our immediate vicinity would almost say Pete and Nikki as one set phrase, we're definitely two very distinct individuals with our own ideas. We definitely do have disagreements um, over things. And um, for sure, when we've had a few sleep deprived nights with our daughter, Aria, um, <laughs> a little bit tricky um, working in close quarters and ministering together and there can be tense moments within that I suppose it's been little by little so over the however many last however many years that we've been um, in and around church in Chelmsford we've made the decision to serve together and there have definitely been moments of tension but we've we've had to learn to navigate those so just in the early days when we were leading the worship team together we would just always find that before Thursday night worship rehearsal if anything was going to kick off um, in our families or if we were going to have an argument it would be on the way there and for, for a period of time we, we didn't really see the spiritual warfare around the two of us working as a partnership together um, and then suddenly the lights came on and we realized that the enemy was wanting to sow disunity between us and that must be because we were stronger together working together so uh, we began to see that for what it was and, and we worked through some of those things and we just decided Decided, right whatever happens on a Thursday or on a Sunday morning on our way to church we are going to determine to get our hearts right we're going to worship on the way there we're, we're, we're going to learn to work together and to talk those things through and to debrief afterwards you know um, one of the things we're all taught to do in leadership is to um, field our weaknesses you know to to find out what we're not so good at and get other people doing those bits and play to our strengths well I think one of the one of the great things about our relationship is that we're very different in what we're good at. Um, 
And so I, I don't know how I could do this role if I wasn't doing it with Nikki. And I know she feels the same way. And that does sound like it's just, oh, that's poetic niceness. She sits down and strategizes with people. I'm, I am blown away by, by that kind of gifting. That, yeah. I'd sit, that's amazing. You're so, you're so good at that. And I know there's, there's the, the strengths that I have. And so together it works. But, but definitely we had to have loads of rules that we laid down in the early days. You know, we do not discuss people's pastoral issues while we're lying in bed just waiting to fall asleep this is not the time mm. to have work in in that scenario you know we we actually deliberately are beginning increasingly to put meetings in the diary where we deliberately discuss work things mm -hmm. so that it doesn't become our conversation at home yeah. but evening you know there will obviously this is not a job this is a life this is a calling and this is what what we do so you can't switch it off mm. but we do mm. need to guard times i will be the first to be frustrated not nikki i i get really frustrated when things start coming home for too long mm. and we also need to insist that we have date nights and have fun, fun. together and laugh together yeah. and not just That's have work key. that just is either in the church building or is at home or somewhere else you know we have to have that delineation and the great thing about having aria now is that she enforces that delineation because when we're home mummy and daddy and that's just how it is and yeah. that's really good fantastic and how do you create space for one another to grow and develop and and flourish because there's a lot of stuff that you do together but how do you create space for one another as well to really develop in their gifting seek god um work out their own discipleship yeah i think we've had to to work hard at that too because um time is sort of the most difficult currency to find um, in life and in leadership, really. Um, but we we try to facilitate each other to, firstly and most importantly, to connect with God in um, the way that that works best for us. And for Pete, that's usually getting out into nature, um, going on a long walk, and hanging out with with Jesus in that way. Um, for me, it's more sitting at the piano or often actually spending time with another person that, that I love and trust, just sitting and processing things. Um, so we try to um, facilitate that for one another. We're, we're not always great at it, I have to be honest. Um, we're still learning a lot um, about how to ring fence and really make sure that that time happens. Um, but we also just encourage each other to step into the, those new opportunities that come for us individually. And, um, you know, God's great at giving us um, those little opportunities that um, can look insignificant, but actually grow us and shape us. And when those come along for either one of us, um, we, we've really tried to develop a culture in our marriage of, and in our leadership together of cheering each other on and yeah. being each other's biggest encouragers because um, a discouragement can set in so quickly in leadership really important that between the two of us we we're each other's cheerleaders um yeah. in a great way as well as each other's challenges i found as well that it's really important for nikki to being an extrovert and i'm an introvert so i'm very happy to go and hide in the garage until everything's okay uh, <laughs> with us being so close if somebody is has if somebody's hurt or upset nikki my husband instinct kicks in as opposed mm. to my you know, joint spiritual mentor and you know, I I'd want to get out there and sort it out in, in the mm. husband way and it's not helpful and then I can get frustrated on Nikki's behalf and all that kind of thing and in the end I've just learned you know what sweetheart I am not the person you need to be talking to because I can't 
be I can't be completely objective here. Yeah. Um, I'm too involved, and so there are times when, I, you know, I may try my best, but in the end, Nikki's like, I need to go and speak to one of my friends who really understands me <laughs> in that way. <laughs> right. She goes and does what she needs to do. I mow the lawn. I sort things out with God that way, yeah. and Nikki out and we come back together and we're in a better place to talk again yeah. and so we just had to learn those sorts of things and and mm. see how we're wired and mm. work to that yeah. it's true isn't it that self-awareness is one of the biggest issues for leaders just being aware of the impact that we have on other people but also how we're wired and how we're made and how god's formed us as unique individuals is is just a massive issue do you find that when you're raising up younger leaders i know that that's something you're really passionate about in skylark you know how does that work and how, how do you build that kind of self-awareness into them yeah we we do um we do feel really passionate about raising up leaders and um one of the things that we encourage them to do is to think through how they're wired what energizes them what brings them life um, but also who's speaking into their lives and part of our discipleship rhythm and culture here at Skylark is to encourage people to have um, someone who's discipling them, two running buddies that are peers that they're running alongside and who they can spur on and be transparent and vulnerable with and then also someone that they're raising up and discipling. Um, so that's a model that we that we really try to work to. And um, I think that helps in terms of the self-awareness to make sure that you've got input, but also that you're you're then using um, that input and that, that um, wisdom that you receive, you're, you're passing it on even to the next generation um, beneath you. And so that way we can ensure that um, everybody's um, receiving, but also everybody's um, giving out, which is, is super important. We don't just become a reservoir, but we actually have, we're flowing into other people too. I think that something that we all need to be really careful of, uh, careful about in raising up leaders, yes, it's great that people play to their strengths. But that isn't how it works in the life of the church all the time. And quite often you find people sitting down doing nothing because they're waiting for their perfect place of fit and for their gifting and their passion to be released. And once that role becomes available, they'll be able to serve. But actually, clean the toilets while you're waiting. You know, just don't don't do nothing while you're waiting for your opportunity. So it's really important for us that we find people's place of fit and we build up their their gifting and, and their uniqueness definitely but service doesn't wait until your unique fit is found actually we need to encourage people to get their hands dirty and serve wherever they can whatever's in front of them to do get on with it and serve with a great attitude and it's amazing how as we continue to step into serving other people's vision and what god has placed before us that he when we're faithful with that little bit you know he gives us more and more and that's been our story that there have been loads of times we've been doing things that hasn't been our place of fit, but it's all painted this this picture, this amazing tapestry that's God's been weaved. And suddenly we find ourselves in this situation of leading a church and we never saw it coming. But when we look, see how it all weaved together and, and how God was incredible, mm. such an incredible artist. And mm. um, as you look back over the last uh, six months or so, um, each of you, and maybe Nikki, you can go first. What's the biggest leadership lesson that you've learned over those last um, six months or so that you'd like to pass on to the listeners of this podcast? 
Wow, that is a really big question. Um, definitely no, I've been learning an awful lot. Um, but probably for me in particular, uh, I recently uh, I lost my dad. And um, this year we also lost a great spiritual mentor, the founder of our church network, Rick Murrell. So for me, one of the things that's really come to the fore as I've been learning um, what leadership looks like is the whole concept of legacy. Mm. And the thing that I've come to realize is that if we want to be leaders who leave a rich legacy, then we have to be intentional about it. It's not something that just happens automatically. And that looks like giving away as much as we can in the here and now. That means giving away opportunity to others. It means giving away um, wisdom to others. It means giving our time freely to others and making that investment into um, a new generation of, of leaders and giving them permission to grow and to flourish and to be released into what God has for them. And I think sometimes we think that can happen by osmosis, but what I've observed in the life of Rick and um, what I've also learned through losing my dad is that actually it takes um, a real deliberate effort and investment to leave legacy in, in the next generation. So um, I'm learning all the time that, that that's a really, really important part of, of our role as leaders. That's a great insight. I, I was really challenged over the summer about whether I was prepared to plant a tree that would only really blossom after I'd gone. <laughs> and, and that's an incredible challenge, isn't it, about legacy? What, what about you, Pete? Uh, well, it's a... It's a lesson that's been unfolding and I've been learning for years, maybe a decade. And it, it, it's the thing that God rings in my ears so clearly that intimacy with him is the key to unlocking everything. Mm. Um, so true. And it's so, so, such a simple concept and such a difficult thing to walk out. Mm. And um, I know that my point of connection, as Nikki said, the place where I really connect with God is in nature, you know, by water, up a mountain, like so many people, those places are, are all inspiring and they're a thick place of connection for me. With God. And I have to make sure that I deliberately have space to do that. Because when you're in leadership, in church leadership, it can be very toxic to your, to your own faith if, if, you're if your Bible reading is to prepare for a message, if your prayer is for X, Y, or Z, if, if, if your worship is only when you're worship leading, you know, that can be really, really toxic. And, uh, you know, someone said to us once, if you go on holiday and that gives you a break from worship and gives you a break from your Bible, you can just put your Bible down for a while and just read your novels and stuff. If that's all you want to do, then you're in, a, in a, an unhealthy place. Um, and so you just need to sort of evaluate that. And so I don't want to be... I'm continually challenged. I don't want to be in that place of disconnect from God mm. where I'm connecting with him for a purpose and not just for love. And so I need to make sure that I continue to carve out space to go for a walk, to just hang out with him and connect with him. And whenever he's looking at, whenever I'm looking down at what may be in the future and what God has for me, I know that he has said, intimacy with me will unlock everything else. And I love the fact that Jesus used to just, even in the busyness of everything, he'd go away, for, you know, be alone with his dad. And then he was able to come back down and say, I only do what I see my father doing. It's a simple concept, but it's so difficult in today's busy society to create the space. So I'm continuing to learn that and continuing to try and get it right. And I'm definitely not getting it right yet. But hopefully 
one year, I won't have to keep saying this is the same thing that got on my calendar. <laughs> it's a lifetime walk, isn't it? And a lifetime working out. And uh, what I find in my own life is there are different seasons where I have to find those different rhythms of how it works. But we push through and we push through and we push through and we push through and we see the grace of God descending on our ministries and that's and on our lives. That's incredible. What are you both excited about uh, at Skylark at the moment, just as we as we finish off? Just tell us one or two things. We could probably go on for an hour, but, you know, just one or two things that you guys are really excited about right now. There's amazing things that are happening in, in the kids' church at the moment, in Skylark Kids. Yes. There's just amazing times of encounter of prayer of salvation um it's incredible to see what what god is doing with our children yeah we're super excited as well to see that we've been talking for a long time about creating a culture of worship and valuing the presence of god and it really feels as though we're kind of living in that culture now um that, that worship seems to permeate so many different areas of the life of the church. It's not just something that we do on a Sunday. Um, we're trying to live out that lifestyle of worship, and that's been super exciting for us to see that we're, we're not just talking about it, um, but actually that's taken root and is bearing fruit in the, in the life of the church in so many places. So that really excites us. We're really excited about the fact that we have been speaking for a long time about it's not about professional Christianity and aspirations to get on the platform. It's not influencing the culture that you find yourselves in day in, day out. Yeah. And we're hearing increasing testimonies of people who are just being brave enough to have conversations, to, to begin to make a difference, to just say something, to, to, to change the atmosphere in their workplace or their school or what have you. And, and people are rising up into those positions and just being the church where they find themselves. Because if, you know, as we all know, if we can come together on a Sunday, be filled so that we can pour out during the week, then we're really going to be a church that makes an impact. And we're seeing that happening increasingly. So that is blooming exciting. <laughs> Peter and Nikki, thanks so much for joining us today. You guys are absolute inspiration. And uh, you've shared your heart with us today. And I know lots of people will be really encouraged by that and challenged by that as well. So thanks ever so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. You can catch up on episodes you've missed by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or TuneIn. There's a new episode each Monday morning. Find out more about the services Forge Leadership provides at forge-leadership.com.